Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today's guest is Kathy Hackle. So if you haven't noticed, Kathy has been a guest on Social PR Secrets several times. This interview was originally recorded when I taught my class at the University of Florida on the topic of social media management. In this interview, Kathy and I talk about disrupting the public relations industry, what that means, and how you can leverage it. Welcome, Kathy. everyone. Welcome to The Digital Dish. I'm here with my co-host, Lisa Beyer. I am Kathy Hackle. Um, <clears throat> I'm the Hispanic Marketing Evangelist for uh, Boom Social, and I'm also the founder of Live Video Campus. And yeah, we're here to talk about PR, so I'll let Lisa introduce herself. Yeah, I'm Lisa Beyer, and I'm the author of Social PR Secrets, and we just launched, like Kathy said, The D Digital Dish. I teach a class at University of Florida, and I see some of my students here. Hey, everybody, and thanks for hanging out with me at the pre-show um, with Nava, and today we're going to talk about the state of PR and this report that just came out, and I mean, some of it we've probably been talking about, but it's let now the bigger picture to, you know, the global PR world and what's happening. Yeah, and I think that you're you're exactly right in saying global PR world because it's really, if you think about it with with social media, everything it's global. Like it's not, you know, you can't really be U.S. centric anymore or kind of be focused on the very specific little piece of you know of the globe. You got to be global. So, and I think also global meaning global, like no borders, um, but no borders mm -hmm. even within brands right? Public relations has kind of seeped into every department, whether mm -hmm. it's customer service, whether it's sales. I mean, it's, it's really, um, the lines are blurred, right? In public relations. And I think the term public relations, this, this is one of the things the report said, is um, the term public relations, where is that going? And what is it really going to mean? 27% said public relations, they're not, you know, isn't, what is it really going to mean in five years? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and what they're estimating, it's going to be a 20 billion industry. 20, 20 billion, yeah, 20 billion dollar yeah. industry yeah. in 2020. So that is, I mean, when I read the, the report, I felt really um, motivated, especially for students, like the students that might be watching or, you know, the students in your class or in my classes, because it, you know, it feels, it's exciting, you know, after uh, years of turmoil, of course, in the communications world in general, you know. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, the profession for me, I was kind of getting very bored of it before before SEO started influencing public relations and before social media. And now I think that there's huge opportunity, but there's her, um, diversity too. I mean, you, you really need to be able to juggle a bunch of different talents to be really good at public relations. And definitely, I think that that's very important to tell, um, you know, students as they're entering the workforce is that, yeah, you would need to have the, you know, the, let's say the core skills, the core skills in PR, but you also need to make sure that you have some technical skills, that you understand SEO, that you understand social media. Um, I mean, I think people need to evolve. I, 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 you know, when I saw the report, I, I tweeted out and I said, PR folks, please, if you are in PR, beef up your social media skills. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, to me, it's not two separate things anymore. No, and it's you more know. than just managing a Facebook page. You know, it's it goes way beyond that from a public rela public relations standpoint. I mean, it's it's um you know I, I see a lot of the agencies that they're of course you know having to do social media with the, the public relations, but um, it's it's you know they're just 
barely touching the surface of what social media can really do to help amplify the PR yeah. message and, and strategy, right? Yeah. And, and sorry, the phone's ringing, but it's back there. Oh, that's, I know. Before you came on, my mom was calling. Doesn't my mom, like, she can sense when it's the absolute worst timing to call. It's like when I'm walking out the door and I'm rushing or when I'm going live on video, my mom's calling. So no worries. Well, it never rings. Like, that's the home. We only have it for emergencies. It never rings. So, when I'm it's probably a sales call. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. uh. Um, but no, as you were saying, I think it's, I mean, it's going to be very important. Um, I, the report also stated that, you know, tra some traditional, let's say traditional PR skills are still very valuable, but that there's this other kind of like, um, you know, wave of requirements now. And, and I feel it. I mean, I've had the chance to work in many different types of, um, you know, environments like nonprofit, hospitals, I mean, kind of some more conservative than others. And I've seen it where I feel that if you're a PR person and you don't have, and you don't keep up to date, let's say with your skills, you are going to be left behind. And if for any reason you get laid off or something, it's going to be, you know, I don't want to like be doom and gloom, but it'll be harder for you to get a job if you don't keep, keep up, up to date. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that pre all of this, I mean, pre, let's say like three years and before, you didn't really have to do much to keep up in public relations. You could just pretty much get your degree, go to a couple of PRSA conferences and touch up on things and brush up on things and get reminded of best practices. But we're now being introduced by completely new landscapes, completely new platforms, completely new ways to do things that you were having to learn it and then apply it, learn it, apply it, learn it, apply it. So it's never changing. I have a friend that, stepped out of the um, the industry for several years and tried to get back in, but did nothing to really continue the education part of it or keep up with it. And, you know, this person was pretty much like she couldn't understand why she couldn't get a job anywhere. So it's so important. It is. I mean, it's, if you just can't, you know, you just, you just, just because you have a degree and just because, you know, you know, your traditional skills, it doesn't mean that you're going to know how to, you know, that you're going to be successful out there depending on what the requirements are and more and more is being required of a PR person in a global world in a global scope kind of thing so so what do you think about that Kathy do you think since so much more is being required there's going to be little subsets of specializations now within public relations where it's maybe it's the visual PR person it's the SEO PR person within the agency or the brand, because it, it's going to become, I think, more and more difficult to really just know everything about mm -hmm. all these things that we need to know about, right? Well, I think it's, I think we're going to have to see that in the next couple of years as the hiring processes go and see what people are asking for. Uh, you know, obviously it's going to be different if you're in, in, in corporate comm than if you're in an agency or what have you. Um, I think we're going to, it's going to, we're going to have to see. I mean, I think that a PR person is going to have to be very well-rounded. And even if you're in internal communications, you need to understand social. You need to understand because internal, internal, I have always been of the thought that internal comm needs to have a seat at the table when it comes to social media and, you know, in a large organization, because, you know, there's employee advocacy. There's so many other things within that realm that, yeah. So, yeah, and before you got on, we were just talking about the role of customer service and public relations and how, you know, until 
customer service became such a huge part of social media, mm -hmm. PR didn't really have to be that involved in customer service, but now that's just another area where social customer service is critical and it can make or break a public relations story, right? Definitely. Um, I, I, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's so many PR, like PR horror stories that are customer related, you know, customer service related. So yeah, it's all kind of intertwined. Um, you know, another thing that I think the report really hints at is, I mean, we work right now in a lot of silos, you know, there's still that in the, you know, there's a PR team, there's a marketing team, there's a social media team, there's this team, there's so many silos. And I think that that, you know, it's eventually is changing where it's all going to be kind of a communications team. I don't know what it's going to be called, but, um, but yeah, I feel like the silos are in some way, shape or form going to start to be you know, to be broken down. Hopefully yeah. that is take down, take down the walls in the company, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of building, you yeah. know, building the walls between departments and things like that. Yeah. I definitely uh, can see that already happening, but it's hard because it's, people are used to working in one way, especially, you know, if you've been in the business for, let's say, you know, more than 10 years, you're used to having your own little department and your own little happy space. And, you know, you meet every once in a while with the other with departments. The other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now it's, it's completely collaborative and um, you know, I, I totally agree. The other thing that I saw in that report that I think is important is the whole paid side and how paid is becoming mm -hmm you know, more important and earned is maybe not going to be the priority. Uh, it kind of reminds me of search marketing and how with search marketing, if you, you know, read the the reports that the CEOs fill out or the, the marketing managers fill out, they, they all say how SEO and organic is very important, the highest priority. Um, but then where they say where their spend goes, they invest very little in SEO, even though they say it's so important and they invest more in paid. So I wonder mm -hmm. if that's going to happen, you know, people are going to go for that immediate gratification and lose sight of how important earns really is, which is, in, you know, this basically the same category as organic. Yeah. I mean, they both have to be very important. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm with you in that sense. It's like, it can't be just, you know, only this one, they've got to both be important. I, th I thought that statistic really was eye opening. Yes. When I read it, I was like, yep. Where where are we going? Which I'm but I am a big believer in paid. I still I feel like paid can play such a critical role in amplifying the message to gain the earned media and get the exposure to the journalists or to the influence influential bloggers or you know, but it's not the end all be all. It's not like, okay, we're gonna stop focusing on earned, we're just gonna do paid. Let's do the paid to get more earned versus mm -hmm. take the eye off earned, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. And the, um, at uh, Social Media Marketing World, which just happened a few days ago in San Diego, you know, for those of you guys that don't know, it's really one of the biggest social media conferences out there. And, you know, lots of influencers, lots of, you know, Gary, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk was there, you know, like these social, like digital masterminds, let's call them. Um, and uh, Michael Stelzner was giving a presentation on reach on organic reach and everything. So it was quite interesting to see our what the perception of the social media marketer is, marketer is and what really is happening. Right. And it's like organic reach is very limited. You know, unfortunately it's you got to put money behind, you got to put pay to play. I mean, it's got to both be it's a both end kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. And you know, the one opportunity I think we have right now for organic, at least on Facebook, is the live video. So hopefully everybody's taking advantage of that organic 
um, visibility opportunity using live video, whether it's for a brand or even for your own personal, the CEO going live, you know, on their mm -hmm. personal page and then sharing it on the brand page or, you know, vice versa. So looking at that as, you know, all these little opportunities that come up as new features are introduced, whether it's on Instagram or whether it's on Facebook or Twitter are opportunities for organic. And it's like, you have to ride that pony out until it's done and then get on the next one for organic. Yeah. yeah it's, it's free right now, you know, on Facebook live. Yeah. Um, so ride it, ride that pony by all means. I've been telling people, if you're not doing it, I mean, I don't care. You might not get anyone watching who cares. Just do it. Exactly. It's gonna help you kind of in, you know, show up in the feed. Um, you know, it's, it's exciting. Um, I also think I was reading several articles and uh, they were talking about how Facebook Live is starting to incorporate a way for people to monetize their streams, kind of like a tip jar. I don't know what they're calling it. And it's really interesting because it's it's the other side of you know, monetizing the streams. So you know, it's kind of a different conversation, obviously, but I just wanted to bring it up because it's it's one of those things where like it's changing. It changes every single day. Yes, yes, it does. It does. Things are changing. So we have somebody here. I think, do we have any questions yet? We'll see more growth. We'll see more growth than sponsored posts. Yes, definitely. Sponsored yes. blog posts. I mean, because you're really, the only way you're going to get the the visibility for your blog posts in, in social is to sponsor them, but also target them properly. Target them to the mm -hmm. people that really care about what you're writing about. You know, just don't blast it out there to, you know, the masses and and just say like everybody in the United States or women in the United States from the ages of you know 21 to 30 if that's just not specific enough we need to yeah. really zero in and and make the most um of your targeted audiences and the opportunities of custom audiences in Twitter and Facebook mm -hmm. when it comes to public relations that's also when it comes to PR I think that PR folks need to understand influencer marketing mm -hmm. you know yes. because that's kind of like everyone uses the term but it's like I think PR people need to have an understanding of what it is, how to do it correctly, you know, and the basics of what it is. So, yeah, I think influencer marketing is becoming more and more important. Definitely. And it's not as easy to do. It used to be a little bit easier to get influencers on board. And, you know, now these influencers are being inundated by because that's this is, the you know, the, the big buzzword, I think last year it was influencer marketing. This year now it's harder because everybody started getting on the bandwagon of yeah. influencer marketing, but it definitely still works. I just yeah. feel like it's it's not as easy and it's, it just definitely needs a very strategic plan to approach it so that you know, okay, what are the expectations? What are we going to do with this? What's the outcome going to be? And who really is an influencer? What are the influencers you're trying to reach? They're going to reach the audience that you're really effectively trying to reach. It's like, you can't just be like, oh, mommy bloggers. No. Okay. But what are we trying to accomplish here? Who are we trying to reach? So, you know, and I see it, I see it from a, because I'm, I'm Latina, you know, it's like, oh yeah, influencer marketing, Latino market. Well, that's really broad. That's a right. broad market. Who are you trying to reach within, you know, the Spanish speaking market? Are you trying to focus just on Spanish speaking people in the U.S.? Are you trying to think of Latin America? Are you trying to think about mom? I mean, it's, it's just first generation, second generation, you know, it's, it's funny because yeah, I'll be like, they'll be like influencer marketing in the Hispanic market. I'm like, well, you gotta define yeah. this. You Let's know? be a little bit more specific here. Mm -hmm. So I'm just pulling up the, um, like the conclusions of the report, uh, the Holmes report. And so I'm just going to read a couple, like there, there's actually five conclusions. So number one was embrace change. 
-hmm. Number two, invest in ideas. Three, hire different. Four, get paid. And five, instill courage. So I think those are very strong conclusions. And I mean, I love the, the instill courage part because you really just need to get out there, don't be afraid, get on Blab, get on Periscope. And as these new technologies get rolled out, just mm-hmm. explore and don't be afraid. I think so. And, and, and all the, you know, all the different experiences and, 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 you know, training and everything that you can bring to your new employer are going to be super important. Um, I, one time, like several times I've done this where I've gone to like indeed.com. I think I mentioned this before and I've written in Periscope or I've written in Snapchat, just, you know, Snapchat, New York city and see what happens. And it's like, so many brands are requiring you to know this. Mm-hmm. Why yes. aren't you doing it? You know, why aren't you learning about these new platforms? You know, I'm not saying that that's the only thing you have to know, but you need to educate yourself. Definitely, definitely. And then one of the other conclusions, invest in ideas. So talking about just content creation is really the next, you know, it's mm-hmm. not the next, it is here. And it's it's not just writing a press release, it's storytelling, it's curating mm-hmm. content, it's like we talked about the um, influencer marketing, really zeroing in on brand advocates, um, all these different ways to, you know, brainstorm and okay how can we how can we get traction how can we really stand out with our competition because everybody's doing content right yeah it's um mark reagan always refers to it as brand brand journalism and i love mm-hmm. that because it is I it is we, yes you know it's you know if you're not creating content that's valuable for your brand you know yeah you can you can write a press release but in reality almost anyone can write a press release right so it's if you're not creating that engaging content you know, that's really true to brand journalism, then you're doing your brand a disservice. Definitely. And I think one of the, one of the changes that I think is the most valuable is how we're writing, we're required to write so much more, so faster. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, five years ago, you know, our writing was really based on, um, if you were in traditional public relations, one or two press releases a month, which I mean, how much, experience, you know, it's the more you write, the better you write, the better quality. Um, so journalists really have, I think, such a, um, they're one step ahead. Um, if they, if a journalist wants to get into public relations, they are going to be like, so awesome yeah. versus a, somebody that just has public relations experience and doesn't have journalism experience. So mm-hmm. I feel like going and being a journalist first for a year or being a blogger that has to just like whip out yeah. content for one year straight and then go into public relations, that's something to look for on a LinkedIn profile or resume, somebody that's done that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's definitely, I mean, I switched over from journalism to PR. That's yeah. how I did my switch. Right. I did it way back, way back when, before like so many journalists were doing it, you know, before the industry was hurting that much. Um, but I definitely think there's some valuable skills that I learned, you know, and I always tell like my students sometimes, or even when I want to talk about social media, it's like, think like a journalist. Think like, how do, how do journalists think? Like they want to answer all the who, what, when, and where they want to, you know, get to the point. They, they, you know, just think like a journalist. Sometimes you have to think like a journalist. To I totally agree. Them. But here's the thing: unless you really do it, unless you really like are, have experience in the, excuse me, the journalism room, 
mm-hmm. the newsroom or you know a, in a studio a live studio where things are, are happening very fast you can't really just think like a journalist so that's why I think I feel like doing an internship as a journalist even though you're in public relations or you know quit your PR job and go work as a journalist for a year you know you might you know have to work at a second job to make a little bit more money or something like that but do it because in the long run it's going to pay off yeah definitely I mean I definitely think it's going to pay off that experience and just understanding the mechanics of it, especially I think one of the things is like understanding it. And especially when you're trying to pitch to the media, it's getting harder and harder for us to do regular oh. media relations. I mean, yes. journalists are saturated. I mean, it's just, there are less of them, you know? So if you understand how to, you know, what, a, what the real hook is from a journalism perspective, then you're going to have quote unquote, hopefully better success in getting your stories in the media. Yes, totally. And even just putting that out on social, putting your stories, your your, you know, your as if you're just writing for your audience, but your audience is you're going direct to audience or going to your journalist. If the journalist sees that, they'll be like, oh, okay, maybe I'll use them as a source, or maybe I'll make yeah. that into a bigger story, or I like I like what this company is doing on Twitter, and I'm going to subscribe to their, you know, I'm going to follow their feed. Um, so just, I mean. I always say use each one of your social media profiles as, um, you know, acting like it's its own publication. So Twitter is your own publication. Facebook is a different publication. LinkedIn is a different publication. And you're writing for all of these different audiences. And, um, you know, one of them being the journalist and you're trying to eventually get them to make you part of a bigger story. That's also why, you know, and I think you probably talked to your students about this. Yeah, social media is personal, but uh, just watch out, you know. When you're going to get hired, they're going to look at what you're doing. This is, this is nothing new. So oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. You know. I mean, the one thing that um, for any students that maybe aren't in my class or you're still in school, mm-hmm. the one thing is um, I have this question comes up about LinkedIn profiles that they want to mm-hmm. keep their LinkedIn profiles private. I mean, why? You, why? You, it needs to be public. You need to put why it all out there. That baffles me. Wow. Yeah. 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 I I get a couple of questions each semester. Students want to keep it um, private. So it's just, I mean, it's defeating the purpose and you want to be as public with your social media as possible. And, you know, Twitter, for example, somebody can look at your Twitter feed and see what, you know, keep it professional. It's personal, but keep it on topic Mm -hmm. with what you want to be known as not, you know, tweets that are, you know, maybe making yourself, you know, maybe not look as professional as you want them to be. So always, you know, no matter what age, you don't have to be a student to, you know, maybe make a mistake on Twitter or your personal Twitter and um, it have a bad reflection. Well, that's where I think Snapchat is very smart. I know, right? You know, very (laughs) smart because if you're, you know, if you're someone in college and you're still, you know, trying to figure out, you can do your Snapchat, you know, do private snaps or whatever you want to do and keep that side private, but you know, you can, in your story, you can be professional. So right. there's no history there. There's yeah. really no history there, which I like. I'm actually contemplating taking a 30 day leave of absence from Facebook and just going on Snapchat. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's going to be a little bit of like a stress reliever to do that. Not professionally. I'll still, yeah, I still have yeah. my, my clients that I have to be on the business pages, but I'm, I'm seriously contemplating doing and doing like a live video kind of announcing, I'll see you in 30 days. I'll be back on live video in 30 days. You should totally do it. Um, I think, uh, didn't, uh, Carlos Jill do that? Carlos a couple Jill, people have done it, but yeah, um, they, did, they did kind of a 30 day Facebook detox and just focused on another platform. And yeah, it was pretty interesting to watch. Definitely, definitely. So um, what else should we cover? We have, I think, a couple are actually late. Yeah. Do we have anybody that wants to come on? Did 
I know um, I thought we had somebody that was going to be coming on that wanted to. Well, Nicole, what Nicole wanted to join okay. us. She, she's live at Pericon and she wrapped up talking at noon, but I'm not sure if she's going to be able to join us because I'm not sure of the connection. If, yeah, you know, if it's going to be good enough for her to kind of like come in here. Um, and I didn't get many messages from her. She was really going to try that, but. Well, maybe next time, next time we're going to be here every Thursday at 12 o'clock. And um, one thing that Nava actually just reminded me about is for my students, or if you just want to take a gap year, um, we, one of our clients is Oxford Seminars, and they have um, a Teach English Abroad program. So when you graduate from college and you're not really ready to go into the workforce and you want to see what you want to do, you can take a, a year and just teach English abroad and then travel the world and and do something different and then come back. And I, I, I don't know if you, um, do you, I think... I studied abroad when I was in college. Did you? It was, yeah. So it's well. It's I'm kind of like I've, I've lived in a lot yeah. of different places. I know. I know. That's what I thought. I've done that part in but some it's way. Such a life changing experience, and it looks great on your resume to, um, you know, to say that you've either studied abroad or worked abroad. And I mean, we talked about this is you know global public relations to get that experience and working in different cultures is huge. Yeah. Yeah, especially as, as we were talking about how you have to be global in many sense, in many ways, you know, in many right. senses. Learn the different you know, culture. So communication. So um, with that, I think we should probably end because we said we'd be done at 1230, but it was great having everybody here. Is there any closing notes, Kathy, that you can think of that? Yeah, I see Shacey Johnston okay. asking, what other training or skill would you would you give prospective employees the edge over another candidate being bilingual. I think if you speak several languages or be bilingual, if you're bilingual, that's an, uh, it's been a huge it's asset for good. me. It's been a huge asset for me. Um, I also tell my students, get some technical skills. You know, I'm not telling you to be an amazing coder, but try to understand what coding is or get some technical skills in some shape or form because that'll really, really make you stand out. Even as basic as I think understanding WordPress and the, mm -hmm. the back end of WordPress and, and publishing. It's not hard, um, but rather than learning as you're going when you're on the job, learn it before and be able to put that on your resume that you know WordPress or, or that you know you know publishing is mm -hmm. um, I think very good and even design skills. So mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of free t um, content available to learn um, Adobe Photoshop or um, using Canva, you don't have to really know any yeah. design skills, but um, having that that technical background um, is is definitely a big plus because yeah. chances are the people that are you're going to be on the team with, some are going to they're not going to know everything. So everybody knowing a little bit of everything combined can get yeah. the team through it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as closing notes, what's better than that? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So we will see everybody back here next Thursday, 12 o'clock, the digital dish, and we'll announce our topic tomorrow early and um, hope to see everybody there. Kathy, are you, you're still good for next week, right? I'm good. I should be good. Anything happens, I'll text you. But. Okay. Okay. All right. Awesome. So right. thank you everybody for tuning in live. And if you're watching the recording, um, thank you for watching the recording and have a great day. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, 
while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.